Welcome into the Cougar Tailgate, where BYU fandom lives. Here's your host, Lauren McClain. Welcome to the all-new Cougar Tailgate. We are getting back to what we do best, and that's talking all things BYU Cougars. I'm still the host, but Cleon Wall has pulled out his camp chair and is ready to indulge in some tasty barbecue, drink a Coke, and play some cornhole. I wish that's what we were actually doing, but we do want some of your best recipes that you make while tailgating or watching the game from home, and we might even try them out ourselves. We're going to try and treat this like your own personal tailgate that you get to listen with your ears. We're friends getting together, talking about the BYU Cougars, whether that's football, soccer, whatever. We're going to reminisce about stuff in the Cougars' past. We'll highlight traditions and history. BYU and the Cougars' opponents, like South Florida today, their history is short, but it is interesting, Lauren. Basically, we're chatting about the spectacle, which is college football. And we love it. Here's what's coming on today's show. College football is back. We'll discuss why this time feels like Christmas Day for us fans. Plus, our first BYU football game memories and BYU's first opponent of the season, USF football, is beginning their 25th year of existence. We'll talk about that and what Cougar fans can expect in and around Raymond James Stadium, the home of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right, Cleon, why is college football or even the return of football in general feel like a holiday each year? I think it's because change is involved in this. And here's what I mean. For most of us, I relate football to school starting, Mm -hmm. whether it's BYU or when you're in high school or junior high or whatever. And so school starts, and so that's a change. You get to see friends again that maybe you didn't get to see that summer you get to relive what you wrote in your yearbook. Anyway, anyway. And, and, and football really brings us together. That's really what brings us together. The season is going to change soon. I mean, after a long, hot summer like we've just had this past summer, we can now celebrate the cooler fall. And really, it's the spectacle. It's only once a week, and there's so much anticipation behind it. There's a reason why people love the Olympics, Lauren, or the World Cup. It's because it only happens once every fill-in-the-number-of-years. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what football is like. It only happens once a week, and so it means a lot. I like the other sports, and I like that they happen either daily or multiple times during the week. But I like that football is only once a week, and there's that anticipation between each game. That's what I love about football, and and that's why I think we treat it differently than almost any other sport that we watch. Cleon, here's what I think. We don't treat football like other sports because it is better than other sports. Oh, I know wow. there are a lot of people out there that are going to argue with me, and feel free to do so. You can have your own opinion. I love football, and I love specifically college football. There's something for everyone. There's little guys, there's big guys, there's fast guys, and there are kickers who are their own breeds altogether. Some (laughs) of the kickers would even say themselves they are not people. Or they do try and argue that kickers are people too. But I, I just love it. There's something for everybody. Putting their bodies on the line each play, big plays, and there's big moments. It's like you said, it's a spectacle, and I'm all about it, Cleon. I love it. So what are you most looking forward to for this BYU football season? For me, it's being back on the BYU sports broadcast team. I I was on it for many years with KSL, and now I'm back. And so I'm I'm really happy to be back and to be covering the Cougars again, and I'm I'm really excited about it. The second thing is probably last year of independence. I've enjoyed independence. I've enjoyed the fact that BYU has been able to play a lot of different teams that they normally would not play or you'd only get like – once every 10 years. And so I personally have enjoyed this decade or more of independence where BYU's been able to play your Tennessee's, your USC's more than just once every, as I said, so many years. 
I've enjoyed independence. Those first few years were dark with the teams that we played, but I've enjoyed the increased difficulty of schedule Mm -hmm. and just the different teams we've been able to play as a BYU fan. On the other hand, I am looking forward to going to a conference and being able to have semi-rivalries again. I guess I could say that. Absolutely. And with independence, BYU fans have been able to see their team play all around the country with independence. And I think that's such a special thing that is coming to an end, even though in the Big 12 they'll still be traveling quite a bit, so I think a lot of fans will still be able to see them. I'm really excited for this season to see what Jaron Hall and that explosive offense can do in their last year of independence. It's going to be so exciting. So, Cleon, tell me, what do we love about Cougar football that isn't just the game? I probably would say the thing I love about it, <laughs> because I was in marching band, I actually like <laughs> I, I like the marching band. I like oh. being able to hear them play their songs. I like popcorn popping. Uh, I, I love it when they do the Imperial March. I, we I can all- tell what generation you're from okay. by that yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I love all that stuff. I love having the band there, even though I know they play different music in the stadium uh, during breaks. I still like having the band there. I, th- I think that's one of my favorite things. I played in the marching band growing up, and so I think, I, I just kind of relate to them, even though everyone who plays in the in the Cougar Marching Man, they're way better than me. So <laughs> I, I think I relate and I appreciate them a lot more. What's funny is I feel like people in the younger generation would never admit that they love the band, but you take the band away and it's not the same, right? Like it, the college football would not be the same. Lavelle we're sitting would not be the same without the band and they're incredible. I love the Cougarettes. I love the smell. I love the grass. I just love everything about it. Uh, It reminds me of being young again. It makes me giddy. So let's start football, Cleon. Let's do this. Let's talk about some of our favorite and most famous first BYU games on the road. BYU at Pittsburgh in 1984. The Cougars won 20-14 and vault them to the top of the polls. I asked Ravi Bosco about his confidence going into that 1984 season. I felt that way until I stepped on the field at Pitt. (laughs) You know, I felt like I can do this. I can do it. And it was my first three passes were probably the worst passes I threw in my career at BYU. And I overthrew a guy. He didn't even jump for it. It was so far over his head. I hit a guy in the back of the helmet, hit him in the back. And I walked off the field thinking to myself, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I should be the guy to play. And I remember Lavelle pulling me aside and talking to me about it and like, don't worry about things. You're going to be okay. Robbie Bosco, what a guy. And Lavelle Edwards. Oh my gosh. Such a such a great duo there. And that was a fantastic game and really just set the tone for that rest of that 1984 season, which we all know what happened there, you guys. Hmm. What happened, Cleon? The National, National Championship. <laughs> Of course, we will never forget. Another one is BYU versus Oklahoma 2009. And this seems to be a fan favorite that a lot of people remember. Colby Clausen injures Heisman Trophy winner Sam Bradford. Sorry, buddy. Max Hall delivers the game-winning touchdown pass to McKay Jacobson. And then Oklahoma misses the game-winning field goal from 54 yards. BYU won 14-13. to I just remember watching that game thinking, come on, score more, score more. Just because... I knew even with Sam Bradford going out, I knew Oklahoma, they still have a really good team. And Landry Jones, who was the backup, ends up going to the NFL also. So I just kept thinking, no, you've got to score more. You've got to score more. But they scored just enough to win that game. Max Hall, man, he knows how to get it done. And Bronco Mendenhall had some incredible defenses while he was the coach. Another one is BYU versus Ole Miss in 2011. It was the first year of independence. 
the Kyle Van Noy scores the winning touchdown on a forced fumble, and BYU wins once again, 14-13. Takes a shotgun snap. BYU gets in. He's being chased. He goes out. Fumble! Fumble! Picked up! And who's got it? At the goal line. Who's got it? Touchdown! Touchdown, BYU! Kyle Van Noy! The fumble recovery, and they score! Um, Kyle Van Noy. That guy just made plays. He knew how to make plays almost every single game. It was not a shock to me that he became a playmaker for the Patriots in the NFL. What a game, BOU versus Ole Miss. Yeah, I mean, that seemed to be the thing that season was that the offense was struggling and the defense just seemed to know how to score touchdowns. Ah, Greg Rubel, he knows how to put a smile on my face. (laughs) (laughs) Another one, BYU versus Nebraska 2015. Who can forget that game? So many emotions. Taysom Hill plays fantastic, and then he gets injured once again. Kind of the name of the game for Taysom Hill's collegiate career. Tanner Mangum comes in and throws a Hail Mary to Mitch Matthews to win the game 33-28. to Last play of the game. Snap, Tanner. Backpedal. Sprint out to the right. He's got time. Loads up. Launches it. Goes for the end zone. The ball's in the air. It drops at the goal line. I think he caught it for a touchdown. He got it! He got it! He got it! Touchdown, Mitch Matthews! The Cougars win it! The Cougars win it! There's a lot of luck sprinkled in, I can't, I can't lie to you, but it's so funny watching that because Cosmo ran into the dog pile with us as well. So he was in there. He's always, he always seems <laughs> to make an appearance. Cosmo for doing that. gets around. Yeah, but to make that play, there's a lot of luck sprinkled in there, but you have to have the mindset of that ball. Well, first of all, that ball is spinning so slowly when it's coming down to you. So you got you to really hone in on that. They're not going to call pass interference, so no matter what, you just got to get big and make a good play for your team. Can I tell you my favorite part of that, that whole entire yes. highlight? Not just that he caught the touchdown for the game-winning score, but that Taron Houck recognized it and went and hugged the referee for just like the briefest of moments <laughs> and then ran back. That that part made me laugh so much. It was just like he's so Taron Houck is so happy, and he just goes and hugs the first person he can find, and it happens to be an official. And the official scoring touchdown yeah, with his arms up, up and he goes and he hugs him, and it, the ref is kind of like, uh, but he has I, like a what grin. do I do? The official has like a grin on his face, like I don't know what to do now. Is this a penalty? <laughs> is this? Yeah, and Taron hurries and does that, and then runs away, and then he signals touchdown again. That that part made me laugh. I loved that Bronco Mendenhall, who, as you know, showed very little emotion was winding his arms, running uh, up and down the sideline when that happened. Such an incredible moment. Another one in the Satake era, era, BYU versus Arizona 2016. Coach Satake's first game, Jake Oldred kicks a 33-yarder to win it. First kick was a game winner. Red Almond was a starting kicker then, but then uh, Jake Oldred comes in with his green cleats with the game winner. (laughs) That was a great way to start out the Satake era. It really was. And do you remember the situation? How, I mean, Old Road hadn't kicked at all during the whole entire game. And they just basically sent him in there. I mean, that has been... It was his first kick First kick and he, in a and, game. And, and he kicks the game winner. And that's just kind of been the Ed Lamb way, which is, hey, if my guy's not playing well or something else, I'm yeah. going to send someone else in there to do the job. And he sends this guy in to kick a game-winning field goal. And just really amazing when you think about it. We had some people on social media uh, get back to us, and a lot of the same games that we picked out were the same ones that they picked out too. 
BlueCoog1 on Twitter, BYU versus Oklahoma 2009. I know not a true road game, but it was a pro-Oklahoma crowd. BYU versus Pittsburgh 1984 set the stage for BYU's national championship. By the way, uh, Lauren replied to these people, and one of them was, I think, from the Oklahoma-BYU game Mm -hmm. of Max Hall running off and... uh, Yelling at people. Someone else, someone else, <laughs> Spencer Garlicks, he tweeted us and said, Arizona 2016, Kalani's first game. Matt Harris said, going to have to go with the 2009 versus Oklahoma at Jerry World in Arlington. Listen to that game while driving a combine and harvesting grain in Alberta, Canada. <laughs> True story. So cool. Hey, we're glad that you were listening to us, but that, that's fun. And then Nathan Salt tweeted in and said, the two, 2011 game versus Ole Miss. Now, he threw in there the Tennessee game in 2019. Technic- that was, a great that was the first road game of the season. It was technically the second game of the season, but that was a good one. And then the 2015 game uh, versus Nebraska. And then we've got to give a shout-out to Duff Tittle. He actually works in the BYU uh, Sports Information Department. And he threw in there. He threw a lot of those same games in there, but also threw in the game in 1979. Number 14, Texas A&M, took on BYU. By the way, that game— Oh, Duff, you're so old. You are so old. I'm 1979, getting, I'm, Duff, come on. I, I wouldn't have remembered that game. I really didn't yeah. become a BYU fan until, like, after 1984. It had nothing to do with the national championship. Mm-hmm. By the way, I'll tell more of that story next week on Cougar Tailgate. But I really don't remember that, so I had to go look it up. Texas A&M, they were actually ranked, I think, number nine in that game. But they didn't play it at Kyle Field because they were doing renovations at Kyle Field, so they played it at Rice Stadium Mm. in Houston, Texas. Hmm. And BYU ends up winning the game 18-17. They scored a touchdown late in the game. Mark Wilson throws a two-point conversion, and they they beat Texas A&M 18-17. And Lavelle Edwards, a long time ago, was interviewed about it, and he said that was really a watershed game for our program. That's when cool. we started getting national attention was that 1979 game. Mm, I love it. Just for a little context, too, going back to the BYU versus Arizona in 2016 with Jake Oldroyd. Jake Oldroyd is still the kicker on the team, folks. That was 2016. <laughs> it is now 2022. Jake Aldrin is still here. <laughs> Welcome to BYU. I love it. Uh, Lauren, would you rather have a big-time opponent or a big-game opponent in the first game of the season or a cupcake? Listen, I love the excitement of coming in to a big game to start the season, but if I'm to choose, I'm going to choose a cupcake, Cleon. Really? Because I've been, oh. around, I've been around this program for so long now, and when they play these big SEC teams or Power 5 teams, that equals injuries. It doesn't matter. I I would rather them get a few wins under their belt, uh, keep their starters healthy, and then kind of you know, go into these the bigger games um, with a little bit of experience under their belt uh, and and health. <laughs> health is so huge in football. It is so hard to stay healthy. So when you're coming in playing teams, you know, like Notre Dame or Arizona right from the get-go, you don't even know if your quarterback's going to be healthy the next game. So, so I would rather, if I had the choice, start with a cupcake for the health of the team. Okay, so I'm going to come out as a fan, and I'm going to say, Boo on you. <laughs> I want a, I want an exciting game that first game. I want to be able to be fully invested, using an old Bronco Mendenhall term, I want to be fully, fully invested, invested in that first game. Execution. Exactly. And I like big-time opponents, or even middling big-time. I mean, even Arizona last year. For me, as a BYU fan, I would probably say I would be just as excited for that game. I don't want to play an FCS opponent in that first game. I think we've got good middle ground here with South Florida. They're an FBS team. They're not great, 
you're going to play them down in Florida. So I guess that's a pretty good game to start out because you know games two and three are going to be really, really tough. Mm -hmm. But I mean, on the whole, most seasons, I would much, much, much rather start out with a big-time opponent unless it's Utah, then I'd never want to start out with them on the first game of the season. But that's that's a different story. Well, enjoy it this season because it's the last year of <laughs> independence. And uh, five out of nine of the games have been Power 5 teams that BYU has, has started out the season with. But I think going into the Big 12, it's not going to be like that. I think they're going to be starting out with some cupcakes because then their regular season games are going to be very difficult. All right, coming up, University of South Florida Athletics senior writer and radio talent Joey Johnson joins us to help us know the foe Plus, we revisit the last time these two teams met. It was a close game, in case you forgot. This is Cougar Tailgate. Welcome back to Cougar Tailgate. I'm Lauren McLean, alongside Cleon Wall. Joining us now is the senior writer and radio talent for USF Athletics, Joey Johnston. Joey, thank you so much for coming on with us today. Absolutely. I'm glad to, glad to be part of it. I was part of the trip last year to BYU. Uh, really, really enjoyed it. And I'll, I'll just tell you this uh, for what it's worth. Uh, you know, I was a sports writer at the Tampa Tribune for 36 years. So I've been to every SEC, ACC stadium. I've been to Michigan. I've been to Ohio State. I've been all over the country calling, calling college football, and I would say the atmosphere and environment at BYU is one of the best I've ever seen, which I didn't quite expect because I'm born and reared on the South in Southern <laughs> football. So uh, it, it took me by surprise, but I loved it and uh, really looking forward to BYU coming into Tampa. You, you never underestimate the power of Mormons, Joey. Uh, they can they come out <laughs> <Exactly>. in droves. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I, it was very... It was very impressive. Yeah, I'm glad you had a good experience. And it was a really fun game last year when the two teams met. What are you most looking forward to with this year's team and uh, with this first game? Well, if it, if it, if it can, can continue on the pace of that second half, it'll be a great game. What I remember, of course, was was BYU getting off to a 21 nothing lead uh, pretty quickly. And it looked like it was going to get completely out of hand. And then uh, a USF team that, that had a young quarterback and a lot of young players at key positions really in some ways played its best game of the year and really battled and went neck and neck with BYU and had a, a ball bounced here or there differently. Maybe maybe they could have caught up to BYU or passed them, but uh, I know both teams uh, had a lot of respect for each other after that one. So I think it's going to be a great opener. I'm really excited this is the opening game. I think it could be a spectacular, and I know BYU has high hopes for this season. USF is certainly trying to get a lot better and, and if they could somehow find a way to beat BYU, it would be a major, major boost for what they're trying to do. So a great way to open the season. Joey, I was surprised to see that USF has only had a football team since 1997. I'm actually older than the USF football team. Uh, <laughs> why, why was there no football team before that time? Well, the, uh, that's a great question, and a lot of people have the same question uh, in, in the state, too. Uh, USF was was officially founded in 1956, and I believe the first classes were, uh, you know, 59, 60, somewhere in there. So that, that's a long time ago. They didn't actually have, have any intercollegiate sports uh, at the beginning. Their first president was named John Allen, and he was uh, dead set on making USF a high, high academic university, and he was very much against intercollegiate athletics. Uh, in fact, when they Drew up the first plans for USF's campus. The football stadium was on the plans, but he removed them. 
and he did not want uh, athletics to distract from the mission of academics, which, of course, did not go over well with many people at the university and fans and such. But it was a good six years before they had a soccer team. Uh, like four years later, basketball came about, uh, but no football. And there were intermittent uh, attempts to uh, have a football team, um, none of which worked. And there, there came a point in there where the university's administration just said, look, this we don't have the money to start football. It costs so much money. It's cost prohibitive. So for a long time, people thought, well, it's never going to happen because there's just not the money. But uh, what happened in the early 90s was the athletic director at the time, Paul Griffin, realized and, and probably almost in a, a, a forward-thinking ma- manner that, hey, if you don't have football the way college football is structured now with the conferences and all, you're, you're not going to be in the mix. So we need football. We don't just need it, need it for uh, because it would be a great thing to have. It's essential for the growth of the university. So what they did was they put a a plan together. There was opposition. It took a while. They they raised the proper money for an endowment. Uh, Leroy Selman, the former pro football player, was added as kind of the face of the fundraising, and it got passed. And they they started at at uh, FCS uh, level, and then grew to where they are today. But it was a long winding road to get there. And and of course, people in Tampa and throughout the state always wonder what would have happened had they had a football team from the get-go would they be parallel to florida florida state miami maybe we'll never know but they've grown uh, uh, in a huge way in the 26 seasons that, that they've had so far but it is a great question and it is a silly question when you think about it because <laughs> uh, no football team in florida it doesn't make any sense and i i can imagine it's a hard thing to start a football program that the teams are very large and, and football is king on every campus that you go to do you remember what that transition was like going from no football team and suddenly the next year having a football team? Oh, yeah, it was great. I was right in the middle of it. It, 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 it was it was great fun. Uh, obviously, you know, they tell you, hey, you're, you're going to have a football team, and, and they hire a coach who was Jim Levitt at the time, and and the athletic director, <laughs> the, the exact words he said was, okay, start football. And um, so, okay, you got to recruit. 80 to 90 players. You've got to get footballs. <laughs> you've mm. got to you've got to have uh, a practice fields. Uh, you've got to find a place to play. Uh, it was an enormous undertaking, and they they did it methodically. They did it slow. Uh, they did not have the best of facilities at the time. They they actually uh, the football offices were trailers, uh, four trailers that they dubbed the Ponderosa because it had kind of a western look. And it was uh, the the trailers were located beyond the left field uh, fence of the baseball team, and uh, sometimes the coaches would be working at night, and they'd hear thunk 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 on top of the roof, and it was baseballs being hit on top of the roof. So it was, and it was uh, a, a crazy, wild, uh, funny time that they they advanced past. But but I think everybody that was part of the beginning will never forget it because there was probably no other football program in America that started like this. And then with what they've been able to do in future years with the teams they've beaten, the way the program has advanced, it's, it really is an unusual story. And there's no program quite like USF that with how it's advanced in the short time that it's been around. Joining us now is senior writer and radio talent for USF Athletics, Joey Johnson. Joey, we appreciate you coming on with us, and we're excited to see you on the sidelines uh, come less than a month from now. Yeah, it's going to be great. We're really excited that BYU is coming aboard, and uh, we're looking forward to this game.
All right. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome. Joey Johnston gave us some recommendations of places to eat. The Columbia Restaurant in Ybor City, it's dubbed the oldest restaurant in Florida. Prices are in the $20 range, and the menu has a Spanish influence. I'd love to try the key lime pie if I was going to the game. Then there's Burns Steakhouse. I think you know what you're getting there. Uh, there is one note on the website if BYU fans plan to go there. It says, our dining room dress code is business casual to semi-formal. So mm. if you're planning to go there, make sure you don't show up in a Tommy Bahama shirt and shorts. You might want to go a little bit dressier. Yeah, you're not going to see too many BYU fans there. No, no. <laughs> uh, by the way, caviar there uh, is from $40 to $225. Steaks from $42 to $94. That $94 is a 30-ounce porterhouse steak my suggestion if you're going there on a budget uh hit up steak and shake it's burger joint it's greasy and it's tasty all right let's recap the last two times usf and BYU have played starting in 2019 zach wilson was hurt and then jaron hall got the start keeper for hall following his blockers nicely done 25 20 15 10 makes a sidestep makes a man miss gets into the end zone touchdown run jaron hall unfortunately BYU gave up 13 points in the fourth quarter and lost 27-23. to All right, now in 2021, Jaron Hall was the starter, but he was hurt, so Baylor Romney got the start. As they go play fake and they go deep down the middle, Baylor to Gunner again makes the catch for the touchdown! Hauls it in inside the five and walks in for six. BYU scores again, brother to brother, Baylor to Gunner, and the Cougs go up 34-13 to with the PAT pending. That had to be a really cool moment for those <laughs> brothers right there. And now, Cleon, what's really scary about that game is BYU was up by a lot in the beginning, and then uh, they kind of started to tank towards the end, and USF came crawling back. But BYU won 35-27. to 27. Yeah, you just heard. They scored the 35th point, and USF had only scored three points. I think that was kind of the game, Lauren, that we started to see that injuries and BYU's defense may not be as good as we were hoping they were going to be. I think right. that was that was kind of like the the realization that uh ooh Where's we, the defense? What, what's going on? I think they're going to need to create turnovers. And that was what the good thing about last year's team was they were able to create turnovers, but injury upon injury and it just was really hard to stop people late in the season. So and that that was kind of the game that you saw that. So this really is this game against South Florida. It's really the Jaron Hall game. It is the Jaron Hall game, and here's <laughs> to hoping that guy can stay healthy and everyone on the defense as well. We need a good defense this year. All right, thank you, everybody, for joining us on today's show. From here moving forward, we want to be able to share a recipe. We're not going to do it today because it is the first show of the season, but if you want to share a recipe with us from your favorite tailgating food... Share it at at Lauren F. McLean or at Radio Cleon. And it could be tailgating or home gating, whatever. We, and you know Absolutely. what? If you send us the recipe through Twitter, we're going to try it out. Maybe not live on the air, but we're going to give it a try. We promise you we will eat your food unless it's some <laughs> weird seafood. Then I will not. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining us on Cougar Tailgate. That does it for us today. Thanks again to Joey Johnston for coming on the show with us. You can join the Cougar Tailgate wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, or on BYUradio.org. Cougar Tailgate is a production of BYU Radio.